0: Welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Daniel Bauer. Better Leaders, Better Schools is a weekly show for ruckus makers. And what is a ruckus maker? A leader who has found freedom from the status quo. A leader who makes change happen. A leader who never, ever gives up. Most students in university... Imagine graduating in four or five years with a diploma and entering the workforce. Jazz Rose, he's no different, but between years two and three, he was faced with a choice. Continue pursuing his degree or leave university to build a business that would serve schools full time. Find out what Jazz did and how he processed this choice in today's conversation. Jazz also offers some helpful tips about creativity and flexibility within schools. So, Ruckus Maker, thanks for being here. And before we jump into the episode, let's take some time to thank our show sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder, a program designed to develop your students' executive function and non cognitive skills. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. Com. Today's podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. It's basically like a Fitbit for teachers, helping them be mindful of teacher talk versus student talk. Get a special 20% discount for your school or district by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. Isolation is the number one enemy of excellence, and isolation is also a choice. There's a better way. In fact, here's what Michelle, a school leader in Maryland, has to say about the mastermind. The best part of the mastermind is a supportive community. School leadership can be isolating, but knowing I have a team of other school leaders with whom to share ideas, struggles, and wins gives me the courage and resolve to do what's best for my school community. Get connected and level up your leadership by applying to the mastermind today at betterleadersbetterschools.com Forward slash mastermind. Jazz Rose is the founder of JNC Education and Academy. He started in 2004 teaching PE in primary schools. Following demand, Jazz has grown a team of specialist PE, music, French, Spanish, art, and drama teachers committed to embedding a passion for learning, empowering learners to develop confidence, creativity, and critical thinking, developing the whole child, and improving schools while enriching communities. Well, Jazz, tell us the story of you being a second year in uni, working with a number of schools, and
1: how that impacted your third year. (laughs) Well, the interesting thing was that there was no third year of uni. Um, So um, I was like... 19, 20 years old at the time. And we were working with about 11 schools. So my routine was that I would go to, I would go to the university till about two o'clock and then I'd run to an after school club somewhere and deliver that and really engage the kids. And it got to a time, I think I saw something on the news and they were talking a lot about the importance of physical education in schools. And I knew in my heart of hearts that, look, I can do this. So I decided to write to 11 of the schools that we were working with and essentially said, hey, would love to work with you full-time delivering your PE curriculum. And lo and behold, three of them said yes. So I quickly um, wrote up the contracts for some of the teachers that we were, some of the best teachers that we were working with, and they were delighted to go full-time. I was delighted to go full-time, but I had one hindrance, right? Which was that I couldn't go full-time and obviously complete my law degree. So I, I went around Told my mom. And my mom was like, what's going on? How are you going to do this? This is crazy sort of thing. Right. And um, she then she then passed the buck on to my grandma. She probably like, I can't deal with this boy. This is a crazy decision. My grandma rings me up. She gives me the long speech. And um, I ended up speaking to my grandma for about 30 minutes on the phone, which was very unusual. And I explained it to her. And she was like, look, you know, if you think this is something that you're really passionate about and something that you really believe in, then go for it. And I've got your back. And um, that was the transition and the turning point to really starting to, to scale up and to employ teachers and to really take learning to the next level for primary schools across the country.
0: Amazing. And uh, the fact, too, that you can weather the storm you know that mom and grandma brought <laughs> to try to convince you to go back. I'm curious for the listeners, I think they'd find it helpful if you could tell us a bit of the context of what you're doing and, and why you were able to solve that challenge in the UK. Uh, PE is normally a part of the curriculum, although in the US, for example, it is getting cut in more and more you know, locations. But can you give us a bit of the, the context in the UK so that, that people have that understanding?
1: Yeah, so over here in the UK, teachers have something called PPA time, which is essentially planning, preparation and assessment. And what we do as JNC is we go into the school and we might cover a year one class for an hour, whereas that class teacher will then get their PPA time and then we will go and cover uh, a year two class for an hour. Or what we do if it's like a two-form entry is we have a PE teacher and a music teacher who would cover year one for a total of two hours and a switch in between, which means that the two year one teachers will get their opportunity to plan and prepare together.
0: Gotcha. So uh, your, your team enables teachers to have that prep period uh, at their local school, if I'm hearing you correctly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so the teachers will, will plan their lessons and during that time or do what they need to do outside the class. And we have fun really engaging the, the children in the specialist subjects that we teach. Okay, and, and just
0: a last follow-up question here and then I want to get back to you. But what do schools do if they don't hire your organization? How do they provide that PPA time?
1: Yeah, it's a variety of different ways. Some schools use teaching assistants to cover the classes and deliver sort of the paperwork that the teacher's left behind. Some schools use agencies where they have like short-term agreements for teachers to come in and cover a variety of different subjects. Again, possibly whatever the teacher's left behind. And some, some schools have their own internal specialists who they employ directly in the school. Gotcha.
0: Well, Jazz, you're a ruckus maker, just like the leader that's listening. And you break free from the status quo. You make change happen what you did in uni isn't you know representative of that and, and that also illustrates what leaders have to do which is take risks but you have an interesting way of thinking about risk and you use the term uh since you know we've chatted a number of times you talk to me about justified risk so can you share with our listener how you look at risk and how you identify what you consider justified risk
1: yeah i I always look at the best case and worst case scenario. And usually like, when I write those out, it comes very clear to me what the most effective decision is going to be. So like the best case scenario in terms of me leaving university was that I was going to develop and grow a thriving business that employed lots of people and really supported schools and enriched communities. And the worst case scenario was that the idea was going to fail and I'd have to go back to university. Either way, I still could have went back to university and did my third year, which is the kind of conversation that I had with my grandma. So it's really about looking at what's the best case scenario here, what's the worst case scenario, and what's the, what's the likelihood? What's the likely scenario? What's the likely outcome if you give your all?
0: Right. So I'm, I'm hearing you say like, uh, and I just want to know like your process. So do you literally script out two columns, like the pros and cons? And then you talked about likelihood too. So are you thinking and considering about uh, probability as well?
1: Yeah, so I literally put three columns on the page, worst case scenario, likely scenario, and best case scenario. And I start with the left column, which is worst case, then go on to the best case, and then formulate, okay, so what's the likely scenario, which is usually somewhere in between. And then in terms of like justified risk, it's whether the best case scenario far outweighs the worst case scenario. And is the worst case scenario so bad that you can't recover effectively from it? And again, like in the union situation, I could always recover from it. No matter what happened, I could always go back and do the third year at any time. So it's about really thinking about, okay, so is there a justified risk in this? Is the reward much more profitable and much more sustainable and much more effective than the worst case scenario? I really like that
0: because uh, what I'm hearing that's that's new to me and, and how I think about probabilities is just does that... the. Does the best case scenario outweigh the, the worst case one? Can you recover from it? I think that was the key. And uh, Ruckus Maker, I hope you're taking notes uh, because that, that part right there was a gem. So thank you, Jazz. Thank you. Absolutely. So being a risk taker is one thing. I think that requires uh, you know, a level head, uh, being able to thoroughly think through the situation, identify and assign probabilities to those scenarios. I think it also requires flexibility. And that's something you also enjoy providing uh, the kids that you serve. How do you teach and how does your program teach children to be flexible and adapt in order to be successful in challenging environments?
1: Mm, I mean, I'll start here. I think the most impor- one of the most important skills that children can learn is the ability to adapt because society is ever-evolving. It's ever-changing. And we need to teach children in a way that allows them to really explore their creativity and adapt to different circumstances. How can you take your skills that you've learned in one scenario and apply it to another scenario? How can you take the skills that you've learned in one school or one job and apply it to a completely different environment, a completely different situation? And it's the same thing that, the same sort of psychology that applies in terms of making sure that we're teaching children to be able to be flexible and to be able to adapt. So the way that we do that is we... On the undercurrent of it, the way that we look at it is the left brain, right brain mentality, right? And for us, it's about forming the bridge between the left brain and the right brain. I don't know about you, but when I went to school, there was very much a there was very much a theme that people said that you know, you're either academic or you're artistic and you're creative, and you have to fit in either one of those boxes. What JNC is about and what our methodology is about is actually bridging the gap between the arts and the academic. It's bridging the gap between what you learn in science and how to actually apply it Creatively to life. And we do that through, you know, building children's confidence in music, PE, and the arts, and so on. And we do that through developing their creativity as well as their critical thinking. And again, that balance between the creativity and the critical thinking is. The a crucial component that allows children the flexibility and gives them that, that malleable brain, if you like, to be able to adapt and apply it. Confidence is everywhere, right? You can apply it in every situation. And the same with critical thinking. It's about how you apply that in different scenarios. So one of the things that we do in our lessons all the time is we have what we call an explore phase, which is where they apply what they've learned. So you have an enriched phase before that, which is where the teacher then models what is expected, gets the children to practice and model what, they, what they're about to do. And then there's an explore phase where they go, they go away and they practice it independently or in peers or in small groups. And actually they get to, to develop as independent thinkers, which is really important in terms of being able to then to adapt and be able to apply what they've learned.
0: Mm. That that is a pretty robust uh, philosophy of, of education and and how you approach learning. I'm curious, was there a moment where you had the epiphany to part? Of, you know that that your work would be bridging that gap between sort of the practical or the knowledge work and the creative. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just curious if there was something that inspired that.
1: Yeah, I think the most critical part for me was when I was 15. I was playing for Brentford Football Club and I was on a trial there for like six weeks. I got to like the fourth week and I was doing really well. And then they said, hey, Jazz, you're doing really well with the 15 year olds. Let's push you up to the under 19 year olds. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, where's the 16s? Where's the 17s? Where's the 18s? What's yeah. happening here? And they were like, no, we've only go- we got go from 15 to 19. So I was like, okay, cool. And I was a centre back. So I used to play in, in a certain position, centre center of defense and I was very good at playing that position and they said no 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 well you're a little bit small in this group now so you're going to play on the left side of defense and I was like oh that's going to be difficult first time I did it and I was like okay cool let's do it and then I did it and I played well and then the ball went off the sideline and the coach was like okay take the throw in And I was there literally for about 20 seconds and trying to get somebody else to take the throw in. Nobody would take the throw in because I had never taken a throw in before. And needless to say, it was a really embarrassing throw in. (laughs) Like not what you would expect of a (laughs) professional footballer at at 15 um, or someone playing in a professional environment. And um, after that day, let's just say that I didn't get asked to come back, right? (laughs) But I realized (laughs) in that moment of that, that foul throw that, Throughout primary school, throughout secondary school, throughout all of my learning, I'd never been taught to take or throw it. And I'd never practiced it. So essentially, I'd been taught, even though I'd been taught by really good professional coaches, I'd been taught in a linear, fixed and one dimensional approach. And I thought at that moment, you know, what if we brought a much more flexible approach to learning in, in schools? And what if we taught children not only just like one simple thing or how to play in one position, but how to use their skills and apply different skills to different environments, different scenarios to produce effective outcomes. And what about if we applied that in schools? And that was the moment where I thought about, okay, PE is really important in schools and it is really important to teach children the basics of throwing, catching, movement, all of that sort of stuff. And then thinking about how those simple skills link through to our daily lives. But that's something that we miss quite a lot is sometimes we see PE as just like kicking a ball about or moving about, but actually it's the tactical skills that you're using every day to apply to life. My cousin and I, um, who also used to play with professional football clubs, every single like, conversation that we have, we always link it back to football. <laughs> and my cousin is always like, you know, and my cousin, he runs a business now, actually, he does coaches for, for transport for schools. And he says, well, you know, it's like football jazz. You've got to go and head the ball. You've got to go and attack the ball. You can't just wait for the ball to come and land on your head. And he's talking about that in terms of you know, how he's dealing with his school customers and making sure that he's, you know, always knocking on the door and always approaching them, always attacking the situation as opposed to, you know, waiting for something to land on his doorstep
0: got it that's great too and uh being new to to football over here i've been playing on uh sundays from 10 to noon every every uh week and so uh, i'm just loving the metaphors and the connections to football so appreciate that too jazz
1: Mm. another one he always says you've got to be on your toes you're always got to be ready (laughs) which is a common phrase that we use in football all the time so it's just about being on the front foot of things and really attacking life Gotcha. Well, one
0: last question before our break, uh, and that has to do with creativity. And after the break, we'll talk about creativity in schools. But before the break, I want to talk about how you stay creative as a leader. Are there any, I don't know, strategies or routines and rituals that you employ in your life just to help
1: you stay creative? Um, A couple of things, really. One is obviously I'm not in schools every day, but one thing that helps me to be really creative is just to go out and explore, meaning going out and exploring, whether that be in schools and overseeing what different people are doing in schools, or whether that be actually going out and exploring something completely unique in the the preacher. I've been saying, you know, I just went to the theatre on the weekend and things like that really tap into my brain of, how can I apply that to what I'm doing? Like, where does that link in? And that's what learning is. It's like forming those link connections. So I might be watching something like Mamma Mia in the theater, which has completely unrelated to, to what I do, but then I'm forming and I'm thinking of what are the links here? What is this story telling me? What is the story conveying that I can actually apply to my life? And that's the other way that I that I, that I remain creative. And finally, it's uh, it's reflection. So. I either meditate or I write down every night what my day was like and how I can make it better. And that usually just that process of writing things down then helps to bring out my creativity and my creative output.
0: It's a golden tip. But, you know, I I, uh, was sharing how I climbed to the summit of Ben Lomond as well. And after that experience, uh, reflecting on it as you reflect and then looking at the pictures, I said, "Okay, what's the story here that I can generously share? with a, a ruckus maker so that they learn some sort of tip to level up their leadership. So I like that. And, and the idea is to uh, experience life, right? And just see the moment to moment what's happening and understand what is the story there? What's the lesson that I'm supposed to learn and then the lesson that I can teach others. All right. Well, Jazz, I'm enjoying this conversation, but let's pause here just for a moment for a message from our sponsors. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by Organized Binder. Organized Binder is an evidence-based RTI Tier 1 universal level solution and focuses on improving executive functioning and non-cognitive skills. You can learn more and improve your student success at OrganizedBinder.com. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is brought to you by TeachFX. School leaders know that productive student talk drives student learning, but the average teacher talks 75% of class time. TeachFX is changing that with a Fitbit for teachers that automatically measures student engagement and gives teachers feedback about what they could do differently. Learn more about the TeachFX app and get a special 20% discount for your school or district by visiting teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All right, and we're back with Jazz Rose, the founder of JNC Education and Academy. We were talking about creativity and the strategies he uses to stay creative as a leader. Now I'm curious, Jazz, how do you create experiences that expose students to? creative outcomes in education
1: yeah sure i mean i mean the first thing that we do when we go into any classroom is to really engage the children which is to immerse them in a learning activity that's linked to what they're going to be learning throughout that lesson. So it's got to be really, really dynamic. It's really got to be inclusive, something that gets the children not only thinking, but also physically moving. We find that when children are physically moving and doing things, then they get to explore that creativity in much more productive and effective ways. And also they get to enjoy it more. And when you enjoy things more, you you learn more and you're, you're more open to learning and taking on new information and being able to apply it effectively Throughout that, throughout that period of time, so in terms of just engaging the children and then enriching their experience, getting them to explore what they've learned, um, and evaluating that process throughout, so that children make continuous improvement. That's how we bring that that element of creativity and the subjects that we teach are all creative in nature as well. So it's really about bringing that to the fore.
0: Now you have a great show that I was lucky enough to be on, um, passion and learning, and and tell us about why you started the show and where people can enjoy it.
1: Well, I started the show um, partly through listening to your podcast, Daniel. You know, I was really enjoying listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. And I was thinking, okay, so they've got these great things in America. And one thing that not so that wasn't so present to me over here was the connection of different schools and bringing schools together and forming those those connections because you know your network is so powerful, and school leaders can definitely benefit from you know working and being more collaborative with with other school leaders because that's how that's how we grow and really the passion for learning show is about finding inspiring leaders who are committed to making a remarkable difference and having open conversations with them about how they're doing that.
0: Yeah. And where can people enjoy it? Where can they get it?
1: Yeah. So if you just Google JNC education, passion for learning, put it on YouTube, then there's lots of really inspiring and remarkable conversations on that with, with with remarkable school leaders. Absolutely. And we
0: will definitely link up Jazz's show in the show notes for this Uh, specific episode. Thinking back now, uh, you've done tons of conversations and interviews for uh, your show. Is there a theme or a thread that you can see that some of these dynamic educators seem to all possess?
1: One of the things that stood out and still stands out to me is that the school leaders that really stand out are the ones that challenge the status quo. And the ones that go against the grain and really stand out above the crowd from doing things remarkably differently. And that's one thing that is consistent with remarkable school leaders is that they do things different from how you would normally expect them to be and how they behave differently from how you would normally expect school leaders to behave. I didn't know you were going to say
0: that, and that makes me so happy because that is one aspect of what defines the ruckus maker who listens to this podcast. All right, before we get to the last two questions we uh, ask every one of our wonderful guests, you're working on a book. So can you tell us about the book that will be released, uh, maybe at the time of this podcast or somewhere in a similar vicinity?
1: Yeah, so Passion for Learning is really a book about how to engage learners and unlock their potential. Children have so much potential and it's about exploring and navigating ways and effective techniques that teachers can use to really engage their children and unlock that hidden potential that's there. One of the things that, that I find is that often the children who are quoted or labeled as having negative behavior are the ones that thrive the most in the creative subjects. And the reason for that is we've got to really channel their energy in the most creative and effective ways that work for them. And the book explores a lot of themes and a lot of stories around how we can channel behavior and how we can channel children's creativity so that they really get to expand their thinking, not just for a purpose of passing exams, whilst that's important, but also taking it beyond that. How do they apply those skills and what they've learned to the wider concept of the world and to, to being with their families, to being with their friends, to building relationships, to, to risk-taking, to, to leadership, to communication, all of that sort of stuff, because that, that's where life really at. It's, it's through communication and really expanding what children are capable of.
0: I was lucky enough to see an advanced copy and I uh, can't wait uh, till it releases and definitely recommend to the Ruckus Maker listening to pick up your book. Jazz, if you could put a message on all school marquees across the world for just a day, what would it say?
1: Get children passionate about learning. Yeah, so really just about getting children passionate about learning. When children develop a passion for learning, they can learn anything. And when they can learn anything, they can perform better at anything. And that is the theme of continuous improvement. It's about always getting better, no matter where you're at. And, you know, if children are constantly getting better, if people as adults and leaders were always getting better, then society is only going to get better for us. And we're going to continue to grow and expand upon what we're, where we're currently at and, and go beyond.
0: You're building a school from the ground up. You're not limited by any resources. Your only limitation is your imagination. How would you build your dream school, Jazz? And what would be your top three priorities?
1: My dream school would really be an artistic master- masterpiece. It would have a lot, of, a lot of creativity, a lot of art, a lot of work from the students, a lot of, uh, a lot of images around future leaders and leaders that have been there before. And also, it would be around making sure that we form that bridge between creativity as well as the sciences and the academics, and making sure that children are able to form those connections between the sciences and the arts because that's where the juice is at. We speak about cross-curricular learning a lot. I like to speak about integrated learning, which is integrating lots of the different subjects together so that children develop a wider and a much broader and richer understanding of what they're learning in a context that going beyond exams, they're actually able to apply it in their day-to-day lives and their day-to-day experiences. So we look at things like developing their cognition. We look at things like developing critical thinking. We look at developing creativity. And one of the important ones is we look at developing confidence because children and people can be as They can be as really rigorous academically as they like, but if we lack confidence, then that doesn't get shown. We don't bring our best self to that situation. And, you know, we've all interviewed people who are marvelously academic, great on paper, and when they show up, their confidence is lacking or something's not quite there, that's not quite connecting with us. And that's what it's all about. It's all about, you know, developing that confidence and being able to apply it in different ways that wherever you're at, you can connect and you can form relationships and you can build connections that actually make a positive impact on the person that you're communicating with.
0: Well, Jazz, thank you so much for being a part of the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast. Of all the things we talked about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember?
1: The one thing that I'd want a ruckus maker to remember is the one human skill that can never be outsourced is creativity.
0: Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed.